virile. I like the word virile. Today is Wednesday, August 17th, 2022. Time for episode 177 of the Barnhart Podcast. And no, we haven't been fighting. We just, uh, a lot's been going on this summer, to be honest. Um, it's been a busy summer, yes. It's, it's been a very busy summer. Um, no, I did not go to the Mossad camp. You keep saying Mossad. It's actually 8200 alumni. That's a slightly different thing. No, and, and all joking aside, it, it, I think I mentioned at the beginning of 175 that we had a, a brief window of time uh, for me to get in, get in a podcast or two. And um, there, there was a lot going on. And uh, what happened there is, you know, honestly, there was a death in my family. Uh, it was, you know, it, it happens uh, to everyone's parents at some point. So it, it, it was something that we knew was coming. Uh, there was a lot of um, lead up to it. And um, I'll, ju- I'll just say that sometime between the last podcast when I had a, a really active role and now we had, we had a funeral in the family and that, that, uh, took up a lot of time. And then, uh, also, uh, later, uh, or actually I should say more recently in the last few weeks, took a, a family vacation and then I ended up getting, <laughs> catching a flu. So about the time that I was ready to do another podcast, I was out again for another week and a half. So finally remembered to take some ivermectin, and that cleared up uh, what what seemed to be a ling- lingering flu that wasn't going away. So um, knock on wood, all things should be um, firing on all cylinders, and every- everything should be good again. Right on, just in time for the school year to start and back in the saddle. Yep, and all all that fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're glad you're back. And um, yes, folks, please, the we appreciate the emails. Where are you? Why aren't you doing podcasts? Da, 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 da. Just just remember, I'm not saying it's sinful, but you know, rash judgment is a real thing. You know, don't don't think that we're not doing podcasts because we're lazy or we're or, or we're fighting, which is just ridiculous. Um, you know, I, I tell this to people all the time, psychologically normal adult people don't basically don't fight with each other, don't have fights. And that's kind of a, a weird thing that I think a lot of people um, in the modern world have lost sight of because social media and all that kind of stuff has made people so so coarse and so terrible and and just openly hateful toward each other publicly that the assumption always is that you know that that people are fighting or people act like moral degenerates who yes do tend tend to fight with each other and have feuds and all this kind of stuff psychologically normal people don't do that and super nerd and i as far as i can tell and please god let it let it me remain this way pretty psychologically normal normal people and get along just fine and always do there's really not a whole lot to to really fight about you can even disagree with people about pretty significant things like i've i've said before most of the people on the ground that i face to face socialize with don't don't uh hold my position on the anti papacy it's not a problem you just you know you you don't don't talk about it don't don't fight about things like that you know people just keep going and i do my work in life and other people keep going and doing theirs and everybody keeps chugging along this whole business of the thought that people are constantly at each other's throats and there has to be you know 100 percent perfect 
um, uh, conformity. No, there's there's plenty of room in life for adult, psychologically normal adults to disagree on things. And if there's not 100% congruency, that really isn't a deal breaker most of the time. Now, there there's some things that are. Um, and sadly, the corona scam has brought that out. I mean, you know, people, mostly it's on the other side. Mostly it's been these, these true believers who aren't going to make it, who have, you know, severed relationships with, with first-degree family members over whether or not they'd been injected with the poison or not. Um, and, you know, usually it's the clean bloods who are on the, who are on the victim, victim side of that you know, people being cut off from their, their grandchildren and their siblings and their parents, et cetera, et cetera. Very sad. And, you know, yeah, I understand that things like that have upticked, but usually on a day-to-day -day basis, the default is for human beings in Christian civilization basically to get along with each other. So just, just remember that. Just remember that. At some point, this is all going to pass, and it's going to go back, and human civilization somewhere will go back to the way it used to be and should be wherein psychologically normal adult human beings by and large just get along with other people so please remember that and also humor goes a long way too even even when things are are, are going difficult uh, being able to smile is always a mark of, of not being too attached either for the good or the bad to the things of this world. Absolutely. Uh, if you're if you're totally attached to the things of this world in a bad way and you start losing them, losing them, then it, it's uh, the, the fact that you can't have humor about it and and um, and levity. You know, God gives, God takes away. If mm -hmm. you can't if you can't have that that um, lightness about about the material things of the world, that's kind of a, a warning sign as well. Something to keep in mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you. It's not psychologically normal for adult people to, you know, burst into tears whenever something doesn't go right in their life. I mean, I think we've talked about this on the podcast, too. Psychologically normal adult human beings, Christian people, including women, perhaps most especially women, um, shouldn't cry, except pretty rarely, um, you know, you shouldn't be crying every day. You shouldn't even be crying every week. Um, usually for adult people, occasions of uh, occasions of, of crying and weeping should be years and years and years apart. And circling back to what Super Nerd just said, it should be something like involving the death of a very close family member or friend that would bring you to tears or something like that. Having having the sun go behind a cloud or just any little thing in your life not go right, causing you to just f start crying and you have to go sob and weep. And this is not good. That is not good. And that is not a sign of good spiritual health. Um, there is such a thing as the gift of tears. Um, and it's tied to the first sorrowful mystery of the rosary, sorrow for sin, um, both sorrow for your own sins and sorrow for the sins of the world. And yes, it is, there is a gift in that you do have that, that human affectation that basically you're able to have compassion on our Lord himself in his agony in the garden as he's suffering, as he suffered and suffered for the sins of the world. Um, but again, it's not normal to cry like a like a little tiny child whenever something doesn't go go right for you yeah you got to be able to laugh things off move on move forward um 
you know, think things happen, like Super Nerd said, buzzword here, detachment. Um, you, you, we can't foresee the future. We don't know what the divine providence is. We can never, it's very rare, very rare that you can foresee, you know, these divine, divinely providential events that in real time seem quote unquote bad. It's very rare that you're able to see in real time as they're happening, the good that's going to come out of them. And so, you know, you have to, you have to be able, the only thing you can do in the moment is be able to say when something bad happens, I trust the divine providence and I trust that so, at some point some good is going to come out of this and God is, as we say, quote unquote, working in mysterious ways. Having that kind of abandonment to the divine providence is one thing, but you're not, you're never going to know almost never going to know exactly what the long game in these things is and you have to be okay with that and it can't just cause you to to grind to some sort of an emotional uh, an emotional standstill because you don't know exactly what's going on you don't know exactly what you know the future holds for the rest of your life that there is some uncertainty there's some uncertainty in everyone's life and if you know going through the last two and a half three years hasn't brought that before your eyes i don't know what in the world will you've got to be detached you've got to be flexible always got to be looking forward and um just don't don't be um don't be a slave to, frankly, the the unhealthy feminine side of human nature. Um, got to man up, got to be virile. You know, our Lord told St. Catherine of Siena that she needed to work on her virility. He said, you need to increase in your virility. And that's not, and you know, the modern world today would take that. And I've seen, I have literally seen lesbian witch nuns quote this passage as some sort of proof of God's ratification of lesbianism or transgenderism, certainly of the, the quote-unquote female priesthood and all of that garbage. It's not it at all. Virility is a virtue, and therefore it transcends sex. A virtue is a virtue. So women should be virile just as men should be virile, just in exactly the same way as effeminacy is a vice and so it's a it's a sin for women to be effeminate just as much as it's a sin for men to be effeminate and remember what the definition of, of effeminacy is it's not femininity that's a different word and a different concept effeminacy is the vice by which a person will not do the virtuous good because doing it might reduce the person's um personal pleasure or comfort in life. So, you know, just won't won't get up off the couch to do anything because oh, that would that would just reduce my personal pleasure in life. That's that's a feminacy. That's a feminacy. It's not femininity. So our Lord told St. Catherine of Siena, you need to work on and increase your virility. He wasn't telling her to be uh, some sort of a butch lesbo presuming that she was going to be a priest or something like that. He was telling her to acquire the transcendent virtue of virility, which involves not, you know, breaking down and sobbing when the sun goes behind when the sun goes behind a cloud and being able to 
react to events in life and, and formulate a plan, make decisions, anything, think about that word virility and anything good about that, you know, having even leadership qualities in a certain sense, even for women, you know, a woman has to, she has to be somewhat of a leader in her household. She has to be a leader amongst her children. She might be a leader amongst in her community, especially amongst other women, dot, dot, dot. You can go on and on and on. It's a good thing for women to have that that quality and not be the kind of person who just when something adverse or when something bad or unexpected happens it just completely derails their entire ability to function that's that's not virile that is the opposite of virile so don't do that so be manly but in, in the proper spiritual sense virile i like the word virile vir, but the word vir in latin because we know from the mass from that intro um beatus vir from the psalms blessed is the man beatus vir v-i-r so it means it means man but yes of course in that sense that we need to linguistically recapture as you know the enemies of god take over even the language and you know you're not you're not allowed to use the word man in that sense of both male and female humans uh we need to get back from that any any usage of um like chairman of the board not chairperson you have to go back we all have to work on this even those of us who are the most strident and militant against uh, you know linguistic constructs like that we all have to really be careful that we don't use the person ending instead of the man ending the man ending is what is correct when you say man it's you're covering both male and female and one of the reasons that this has happened and why you know satan has been working through this and through through the american culture and the anglo culture is because modern english does not have linguistic gender um most other languages, including German, have linguistic gen gender, male, female, neuter in the case of gender, in the case of German, um, male, female, neuter in Latin. All of the Romance languages have male and female. Um, at, so it's, it could only be in modern English where something as ridiculous as, you know, this, this woke speak with regards to sex, that is, biological male, biological female, um, is allowed to incur into linguistic gender. And remember, gender, the word in and of itself is misused. Gender is a linguistic construct only. The word gender applies to languages, not to biological, reproductive, anything like that. That word is sex. And I suppose that the word gender has been allowed to creep into all of this, describing biological sex, because there has there was a taboo against saying the word sex. Um, I remember, I mean, it's in my lifetime. It's certainly when I was a little kid, even when you were to, you know, talking about sexual reproduction, learning about sexual versus asexual reproduction in elementary school science classes, there was, you know, children would titter and laugh when the, when the word sex was 
mentioned even in the context of science classes like that. And yes, there's a there was a puritanical um, strain in culture in which it was prohibited basically to to say that word SCX because it was it was thought to be mentioning or referencing exclusively the marital act and probably in in the context of fornication and so there was a puritanical um taboo against even using the word uh and so people were quick to embrace using the word gender but it's a misnomer gender only applies to language and languages that have that have male and female nouns for example um what's i'm trying to think of a spanish word now uh table la mesa la and the noun that ends in a is feminine and that's that's a purely linguistic construct as is obvious tables have no sexual reproductive aspect to them we're talking about something completely different so we have to all go back to start saying like chairman of the board, not chairperson, and cut out all of that person garbage. And we have to start using the term gender correctly. It, it applies only to, to language and linguistics. Modern English is not a gendered language. And, um, you know, we have to reclaim this and stop talking about gender theory and transgenderism and things like that. That's, that. that makes no sense. And if you use the words correctly with their proper meaning, what you're saying is nonsensical. So, uh, you know, talking about even, the, even the, the word transsexual, which is getting closer to being accurate within the idea of what, you know, sex perverts are trying to do. But really, the fact of the matter is, is there's no such thing as transsexual. A, pers a person's sex cannot be changed. This is madness. And so what we need to start doing is stop referring to these people as transsexuals and start, um, start referring to them back as what they are, transvestites. Vestites, the word vest means dress um vestments in the church the priest goes into the sacristy and puts on his vestments um in a lot of the romance languages the word the root the latin word vest is there in their word for getting dressed or something that you are wearing um that's that's all these people are Tr transsexualism is is a fiction it, it's non-existent nothing and no one can ever 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 change its sex sex is immutable you are you have an uh, men have an x chromosome and a y chromosome in every cell in their bodies and how many cells do they have in their bodies well it's trillions and trillions and trillions and no matter what you do and no matter how you cut yourself and no matter how you paint yourself up or no matter what clothes you put on every single one of your trillions and trillions and trillions of cells if you are a man is xy and always will be and as you know the cells continue to undergo mitosis and and you know split and reproduce and life goes on every single one of your cells will always be xy so talking about even transsexualism is 
using that word is essentially acknowledging a lie. You need to stop doing that. These people are transvestites, um, drag queen. Drag queen is far, far more morally and certain, certainly logically and intellectually correct than saying a transsexual. There's no such thing as a transsexual. Now, a drag queen, that's a, that's a, that's a defined term. A drag queen is a man who dresses up as a woman. All right, well, then just say that. And now, oh, they're, they're all up in arms because they're trying to draw a distinction because, no, a drag queen is, is a gay man who, you know, who cross-dresses and is a performance artist, and transsexuals are, are people who actually change their sex, and they're not homosexual. I think I heard some, was it you who told me? I can't remember who it was that told me. Um, apparently there's some big war and they're trying to get the T taken out of LGBTQ plus 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 because the, the, the transvestites are angry at the, uh, let, let me get this straight. Well, the L's are angry at the G's, the G's are angry at the L's and the right. B's and the T's. And they, there is no such thing as a gay community. As and this, I'm quoting Adam Curry because I have no idea. For I have no firsthand evidence on this, but he he apparently has a lot of friends in those communities because that's what happens when you're in the music industry Show for business, a long time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and he says there there's no such thing as a gay community. They there are there there might be a. Uh, homosexual community there might be a lesbian community but there is no overall pan community there no it, that that's a fiction of the left of of, of white liberal democrats and in and, fact it's just the opposite gay men are notorious for despising lesbians and vice versa the feeling is mutual there's no there's no solidarity there never has been no and apparently the the new thing is that um uh, I almost use the term straight gays, but what I, what I mean is just plain old gays, like men who have sex with men and 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 uh, lesbians. These people are being um, isolated, and and now that the the term I've heard come up from time to time with regard to lesbians who hate the whole idea of, of um, men who think they're women and call themselves trans. I, I I can never get all the the names right, so I don't even try. But they they are referring to these angry lesbians as turfs, which are trans exclusionary. Radical feminists. I think the R is radical. So okay, e yeah. even even gays and lesbians are now politically incorrect, which is so weird from the normal conservative, just psychologically normal point of view. You yeah. have one one group of degenerates um, trying to disenfranchise and hate on the other group of de degenerates. And it's like, well, you're all wrong, though. So it's, yeah. from my point of view... Yeah. I don't have anyone to root for here. It's like every every you all need to convert and, and, and get in line with with what you're supposed to be. But exactly, it's like it's like the the Russia Ukraine thing. I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast because that's been going on since early in the year. Um, you have to you have to be nimble enough of mind to understand that there are plenty of conflicts in this world in which you're not rooting for either side. You're not you're not allied with either side. Both sides are bad. Yeah, if if the militant lesbians are fighting with the male drag queens, I mean you you there there's no you're not taking one side or the other in that. You're against both of them. They both need to need to be converted to Christ. Period full stop. And this whole notion that you 
everything is you're you're one thousand percent all in on one side or the other of every uh, binary conflict. I mean, come on. I mean, surely you must see this. So that's how we can say that you know the the situation in Ukraine. That's the most cor- most corrupt state probably in the world. It's a pure puppet state um, of the United States. The money laundering, the human trafficking, the bio labs, on and on and on and on. It's just it's just the quintessence of the worst of the Washington D.C global uh, machine functioning in this puppet state. And you can look at that and say, okay, I'm not rooting for that. And then look at Vladimir Putin at the same time and say, okay, I'm not, I'm not rooting for that either. Um, you've, you've got to be able to have enough nuance of mind to not be in this very, when we've talked about this before, very American psychological mindset, which I'm convinced is rooted in the um, the cultural deification of sports, um, of professional sports, that you know, you any any time that there are two quote unquote teams or factions engaging in any activity one against the other, that you have to pick a side. You have to pick a side and then be 1,000% all in for whatever side that you've picked. And it's just, it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. So yeah, in the, in the LGBTQ wars, we're, we're rooting, <laughs> the, the turn of phrase that I often use is we're rooting for casualties, but what we're rooting for is for, is for these people to be converted to Christ. I think one of the big um, problems that the sodomites have with the transsexuals is now that they're saying, okay, so the, I can't, I can't even see this, this flow chart in my mind. So they're, they're, the trannies are mad at homosexual men who do not, okay, so if a woman masquerades as a man, that that female sex per sex pervert who cross dresses would be mad at a gay man for not wanting to um, engage in sodomy with them, and the gay men are saying, "Well, no, we want to have sex with other men, and you're not actually men, so we're not attracted to you." And of course, that's apparently that's now the high crime and misdemeanor in in the. Um, the New World Order, American deep state cultural poison that's being spread all over the world, that the the people who are transvestites are angry because homosexuals do not want to have sex with them based upon their fictional putative um, uh, <laughs> sex. It's just, it's you, all you can do is sit there and watch this and shake your head and... Um, you know, we were chatting earlier today in the little chat group, and I, I just put up, I put up a little message that said, you know what, I think the proposal that we all have to come to deal with right now is the fact that if and when hot World War Three breaks out, and I mean shooting and the whole and occupying and the whole nine yards, World War Three, the worst possible outcome that could come out of that 
would be a victory of um, the former United States slash the Washington, D.C. Um, edifice. Well, that would that's, require the United States to actually remain united. And I don't think that's going to yeah, happen even yeah. without a war, a global war breaking out. So let's just call it Washington, D.C. The worst thing that could happen for humanity if World War Three were to break out, and I think it will at some point, the worst possible thing that could happen for humanity is for there to be a, a victory by Washington, D.C. For Washington, D.C. to win would mean child sacrifice, um, sodomy, forced poisonings and sterilizations as that that would all keep rolling um the the banksterism the financial corruption and on and on and on that would be the worst possible thing that could happen sit in sit in stillness with that here we are we're a bunch of americans we're sitting around and saying if world war three breaks out the worst possible thing that could happen is if our our side won that would be the worst possible thing that could happen. Well, you refer to Ukraine as a puppet state of of other interests. I think the United States is also a, a puppet state of other interests as well. Well, certainly. I just don't know for sure who's pulling the strings, but I, I think one thing for sure is anybody who is in in public office is is merely the public face of the yep. the real power brokers behind the scenes. Been saying it for years. Anybody who has any real power in this world, oh, we have no idea who they are. We don't know who they are. We don't know what their names are. We don't know what they look like. They can walk the streets completely unmolested. And you're exactly right. So a great example of this right now is Liz Cheney. And my goodness, haven't haven't a bunch of us, myself being first and foremost among them, haven't we all been um, chastened and converted? by the Cheney family and Dick Cheney and looking back and now realizing, oh my gosh, that dude is one of the most evil people alive today. And and we were rah-rah in defending that guy 20 years ago, you know? Um, and we've all learned, and the reason the Cheneys came up is because, of course, Liz Cheney just got handed her hat in her completely fake carpet bagging, um, you know, US, she's a representative from Wyoming, and she just got primaried out in one of the largest trouncings that anyone's ever seen. Um, well, now she but, doesn't have to pretend to be a Wyoming anymore. Yeah, she doesn't have to pretend. I mean, she lives in Virginia. The whole Wyoming thing is just a complete farce. But the reason it came up today is that they, okay, from 2000, I think she she entered Congress in 2017, or whatever it would be, whatever the cycle was, and she had a, she had a net worth of seven and a half million. And as of 2020, not even 2022, as of 2020, I believe it said that her net worth was now up to 44 or 45 million. How? How is that possible? They make they make two hundred their salaries two hundred thousand a year, and it happens with every single one of them. Um, one of your favorites, super nerd Alexandria Occasional Cortex. <laughs> Good grief! How she in the was, world? How, how is that my favorite? All of a sudden. Well, I mean, I remember I remember when back before everything when she was first got in, and you always referred to her as Alexandria Occasional Cortex. It always made me laugh. Um, that um her her she's she's uh 
she's eight figures. I think she's in mid eight figures now. Wait a minute. She went into Congress as an allegedly destitute bartender, might have been on on welfare or Medicaid or something. Was trying to figure out whose house she could legally stay at in D.C. during the orientation for Congress because you couldn't stay at a party uh, booster's house because that's a conflict of interest. They had right. to find some member of Congress to let her crash on the couch. Yeah, because she didn't have enough money to her name to get acquire any sort of domicile in Washington, D.C. But, Anne, you know the answer to this, how, how they get so stupendously wealthy in such short periods of time. I guess it's insider trading or? It's actually legal for them to insider trade. Yeah. By the law, it is not illegal for them to trade on, on information that they know as, I think it's not just them, but their staff as well. And it's probably not illegal for them to do it on leverage. It's it's sickening and it's disgusting and the whole thing is completely irredeemable and it has to be ended. It has to be ended and it will be and it will be. But as I've been saying for years and years and years, the longer you let something drag out, the worse and worse and worse it's going to be to resolve it. It's It goes for the situation with the former United States government. It's very much applies very much applies to the situation with the anti-papacy i mean every day that this has been allowed to drag out is just one more day that it gets worse and worse and the the peeling off of the proverbial band-aid is going to be uglier and bloodier and nastier than it ever should have been this could have been taken care of almost immediately and nobody would do it and for years and years and years now, we've been jumping up and down, begging, do something, do something, do something. The longer you let this go, the worse it's going to be. The, every day that passes, just the fact that the day passed in and of itself without a resolution to it makes it worse. Not to mention the uh, millions and millions and millions of people who have already died within the last nine years went to their grave thinking that that idiot was the vicar of Christ on earth and that, you know, there's no hell and there's no sin and I've not done anything wrong and dot, 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 all of, all of these lies. Um, it's just, it, again, it's a function of being an adult. Psychologically normal adults, when there's a problem, you fix it. You don't go run and hide in your bedroom and pull the covers up over your head or anything. If there's a problem, you fix it. You want, you want to take responsibility for it. You want to fix it. You want to contribute to the resolution of it. It's not normal to just sit and watch things turn into these absolute catastrophes that we now have in front of us that are going to require just unbelievable levels of war to get out of. And I mean that both in regards to the American deep state, the corona religion, the corona scam, and the anti-papacy. It's going to require at this point, I mean, how in the world? How in the world do you, do you even think you're gonna fix Rome without something happening? And believe me, there's a very long history of you know Rome being sacked, of the Vatican being occupied, just, what are we going to have to do to go in there and clean that thing out? And it's going to have to happen at some point, either that or supernatural intervention. And, you know, 
supernatural intervention. It's it's both it's terrible in the in the classic sense of the word terrible, uh, and also the word awesome. That would be awesome and terrible. It would be. You know, for those of us who are watching or might might even some people are going to see it, obviously, in real time with their own eyes directly. If we understand what's going on, something like a catastrophic earthquake coupled with, you know, maybe the volcano exploding and Peter and Paul in the sky with flaming swords smiting all of these sodomite heretics, it, it will be awesome and terrible to behold it's it's not going to be he he fun it's going to be awesome and terrible um do you really want that or would it be better even even still even now wouldn't it be better for us to just take care of it ourselves for men to step up virtuous men to step up and do the right thing yes it would be better for virtuous men to step up and do the right thing still now um, well, our but, ability to do the right thing is limited to our state in life and those things yeah. over which we have authority. To really solve this, um, I was going to jump in earlier, but you didn't give me a chance. Sorry. To, to, <laughs> to really fix this, this should have been fixed in 1689 when um, when the message came from heaven for Louis Fourteenth to consecrate France to the Sacred Heart. Yep. She would have been victorious over all of her enemies, and we would not have had the French Revolution. We would have yep. had a, a glorious restora- restoration of Catholicism in Europe and then throughout the world. Barring that, we could have had um, the Pope actually do what Our Lady asked of him and consecrate Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. That would have been the the backup failsafe to prevent what's going on right now and set things right. But if the leaders who are supposed to be doing the things to reorient things on the right track aren't doing what they're supposed to do, we can still live our lives and offer up the crap going on in the world and and save our souls but realistically speaking this isn't this isn't to diminish the power of prayer and sacrifice i i, I fully am convinced that it, there's a there's a band of cloistered uh, nuns somewhere in the united states offering prayer and reparation and that's the only reason we have not gotten the sodom and gomorrah treatment yet because yeah. we're overdue for it and yep. and we deserve it in a big way yeah but not realistically um Individual people at, 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 in our station of life, we we're, we don't really have the power to turn around the entire society. It doesn't mean we throw up our hands and not worry about it. You, you do what you're supposed to do in your state of life, regardless of what else is going on, and and go on, you know, with, with as much humor and, and levity as possible, without being you know with your head in the sand, ignoring everything else going on as well. Yeah, right. the world is crap right now. It's it is not going to get better anytime soon. But that doesn't mean you withdraw to a bunker in the middle of nowhere and have no contact with anybody. And it's, I mean, it sounds trivial, but that circles back to the things that I've been talking about a little bit on the blog and here on the um, on the podcast, little cultural things that you can do. Um, wear, wearing decent clothes. Something, something as small as that can have a significant effect. And you can, you can, if enough, if enough small individuals start doing little things like that, it can spread. There can be a contagiousness to that. And you can contribute. Um, just be countercultural in that good, healthy way. Um, so many points during the podcast, it reminds me of quotes from movies. And there's the, um, there's the Clint Eastwood movie, Heartbreak Ridge, where he's taking over a group of very disheveled uh, recon marines and he, he's 
whipping them back into shape. And one of the lines he says is, is you'll, you're sparing the colorful language. From from now on, you're going to dress like Marines. And, from, and once you start dressing like Marines, you'll start feeling like Marines. And That's once you start right. feeling like Marines, you might even start acting like acting Marines. Acting like Marines. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, don't don't completely surrender and give in to the culture. Don't be afraid to be countercultural. And then, yeah, we do have we do have to some extent a small ability to be vocal and to, you know, shape uh, what's now called public opinion. Um, and that that does that does have an effect that does have a, tr a trickle up effect, I think. Um, so like, for example, with the anti papacy, it was just a few years ago, all mention of it was being censored and banned. And now more and more people are starting to come out front page magazine just came out with a nice piece from a guy who sent me a very nice letter. It's all on the blog. They've now taken the editorial position that Bergoglio is an anti-pope. So I mean, yeah, and one of the, one of the reasons that you that that's happening is because, you know, people like me, Dr. Matza, Nonveni Mark, and others dot 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 um, have been, you know, just very steadily making these arguments, keeping the argumentation before everybody's eyes, pointing out the logical, you know, the logic of all of it and you know, you just continually, if you just keep working at these things, then you, you do start to get traction at some point, but you have to be patient and you just have to, you have to be patient and persevere and just keep going with it. And you can have an effect and speaking up and being, you know, being one of the, the vocal minority, uh, you know, in the world and saying, yeah, this, this is the deal. And no, you're, you're not alone in these things. Um, whether it's acknowledging that Bergoglio is an anti-pope or just getting up and putting on some decent clothes in the morning, you know, these little things, you know, it's like the, the butterfly effect. The butter one little butterfly flaps its wings and then two weeks later there's a there's a thunderstorm over Cambodia or something, you know. That's um that's kind of how these things work. But you've gotta you've gotta be active. You've got to do something and do do what you can according to your state and life. But the fact that I'm sitting here in my van down by the river holding this microphone and recording podcast number 175 and have a website with who knows how many thousands of readers and I'm able to put daily content up and say say what I need to say and do what I need to do. I mean, that right there tells you just the the power that because of the modern world and because of modern technology, we all to some extent do have the ability to do things that previous generations never had. More people will hear this podcast than probably, I don't know, that's, a, that's an interesting question. Um, I think about, you know, great saints and the apostles and all that and how many people actually heard Peter preach with their own ears. I mean, what kind of numbers are we looking at there? It's probably, I don't know, it's probably in the, because remember, there's no amplified sound. So crowds just by practical definition were smaller. 
Um, but there was a specific movement of the Holy Ghost at, at Pentecost. Wasn't it uh, at least 30,000 people heard them speak on Pentecost after the imposition of the tongues? And part of that was the gift of tongues that Peter spoke in Peter's language, but everybody understood what he was saying. In their own language. language they, yeah. and, and not only yeah. that, but no matter how far away they were from the speaker, he didn't have to be oh. amplified. There was, by by projecting his voice to those who will listen, those who who were open to listening heard. Oh, wow. That had never occurred to me about a, a part of that being the amplification of the sound. It wouldn't be the amp amplification of the sound because it's not like Peter's voice. Peter's voice was not amplified to, you know, 135 decibels or whatever. It's just the fact that miraculously anyone who wanted to hear him could hear him in a in a normal tone no matter how far away from ah oh, yeah that's well in the huge crowd cool. the huge crowd assembled because the 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 roar of the mighty wind with this this spectacle that had happened like what is this and people yeah. realized that something out of out of the natural order had just happened or at least mm -hmm. a rare event had just happened and started flocking to it so there was your ready-made uh, group of people able to listen and mm -hmm. many of them did and was it the, the scriptures recorded at least 3,000 were baptized that day right yeah, away they, they would baptize thousands at a time at these events and wow yeah so but do we I mean obviously we're not claiming that we have any sort of miraculous anything I mean it's just a function of technology but I don't think it's a coincidence that the technology is has progressed to the point we've talked about this before everybody talks about you know especially those of us in the 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 quote-unquote cultural right we tend to talk about technology as an exclusively um, negative thing and I really don't see it that way I think that the divine providence probably actively steered the advent of these technologies precisely so that in these times with this situation with an anti-pope who might or probably is the false prophet forerunner of the antichrist that all of this information would be able to just traverse the globe instantly and everything that this guy says and does there's there's no secret about any of it it's not hidden and he can't hide um and you have to have this technology in order for that to be the case so that you know the so that the elect would not be deceived got to get that information out and about so yes while it's true that up until you know a century ago or a little bit more than a century ago you know peasants out you know working in the fields and working in their in their and living in their little houses would have almost no you know real interaction with or direct experience of the pope qua pope i mean every once in a while something would happen and they would know they would know who his name what his name was um but by and large there was no real day-to-day -day interaction today there is be because the faithful need to be able to see and recognize what it is that's happening in rome and this anti-papacy and this usurpation and so what, what a gift, what a gift that the technology has been allowed to come about, I'm convinced, by the direction and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that, you know, when, that, in, when I say inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I don't mean it in the divine revelation sense of the word, I mean it in the, you know, somebody whispered in, in somebody's ear who then said, oh, hey, I'm going to invent, you know, the transistor, I'm going to invent 
the microchip. I'm going to invent this. I'm going to invent that. And, you know, these little workings have, have moved forward. So, yes, there's a tremendous amount of evil. And Satan, obviously, ju has jumped all over it, has been watching it all closely un uh, unfurl and develop. And so, for example, this medium that we're using right now, internet, um, recorded sound, um, we could also lump video, obviously, into all of this, um, this media paradigm that we have. Um, of course, Satan immediately saw that he should tie the sixth commandment in with that. And so that's how we get the, the axiom that pornography built the, built the internet. Um, and to, to a certain extent that it, that is true. It's well, been, I, th I think that's more, this more is your wheelhouse. What do you, yeah. Well, what do you say about that? It was, the internet was an academic and, and DOD project. It, it was, it's, there's a lot of truth that it, it was built by the defense department in order to create a communications network that could withstand a nuclear attack such that uh, it was at 60 to 80% of the network could be wiped out, physically wiped out. And the routing system is dynamic and could find new paths to communicate. Mm -hmm. And, and the, the only time this has been physically tested out in the real world was the first Gulf war where we blew up about 80% of the telecommunications infrastructure in Iraq and the, the nerds in, in Silicon Valley were jumping for joy when they realized, hey, this routing system that we built worked because the, the uh, Iraqi command posts in the north were routing their traffic dynamically and to the chagrin of the allies through uh, Syria, through Jordan, out through Israel, out through Egypt and back down around up through the bottom and up back in, into um, Baghdad. And so it was delayed, but it worked. Uh, who paid for this? The, it, was, it, was a, it was a joint effort between the, the DOD and academia. But in terms of when it became the web and, and it became something that wasn't um, purely for academics and, and um, defense contractors, that's when you started having uh, websites and, and it didn't take long before uh, people figured out, hey, I can do immoral things with it. But it's to, to say that the web was built on pornography is, is quite a stretch. It's, it, in fact, I would say that that's totally untrue. The selection of VHS over Betamax, you could probably point, paint a more direct line that way. Really? Yeah. How so? I don't remember all the details, and I don't really want to look it up, to be honest. I think it had to do with the fact that that, that uh, VHS was cheaper. Uh, the the um, the ability to make your own VHS tapes and duplicate them and then publish was also cheaper. Betamax was higher quality, uh, lower content per tape, and it probably had higher royalties on it as well since it was a Sony product. That, that would probably stand to reason. Mm -hmm. Interesting. What about uh, the paradigm of uh, credit card transactions and moving money over the internet? That The banking, genesis of that is been around with, forever, though. But don't you think that what really pushed that technology forward in terms of online um, transactions was pornography? No, I think it was the realization that uh, manufacturers could go straight straight from uh, business to consumer and cut out all the middlemen in between. Mm. And they were so, so eager to do that that they were willing to lose billions in the process while they were figuring out the security of it. I think PayPal, they went through $10 billion in losses in their early years just to fraud before they figured out all, all the ways that they could be defrauded and shut off those avenues. And then mm -hmm. they had a truly secure platform or as secure as any platform is going to get. 
I think it's the the ability to move goods and services. Sure, some of that's going to be immoral and illicit as well, but I think it's just more the 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 gears of commerce. Uh, people make things; they want to sell to the consumer, and if they could do that, I mean, if Detroit could sell cars directly to the consumer, they could sell it for a lower price uh, to, from the consumer's point of view to cut out all the middlemen, and at the same time, Detroit would get more per vehicle. So mm-hmm. there, there's a natural, um, not arbitrage, but there, there, there's an efficiency of markets that's going to benefit both the, the manufacturer and the consumer if you can cut out everybody in between. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Wasn't, isn't PayPal, am I remembering correctly, Musk is the one who founded PayPal and it was made specifically for eBay. Is that not correct? Musk was involved somehow. I hesitate to say that he makes anything or has any intelligent uh, design on any of these companies, but he was definitely there at the beginning. Uh, PayPal was a a separate company, and at one point in time, eBay acquired them or they merged with it. I forget how that worked exactly. Mm-hmm. And they there was there was the conglom- conglomeration of yeah. I'm trying to conglomerate all my sounds at once too. It was the, <laughs> at one point there was the conglomeration of eBay, Skype, and PayPal as the the platform for buying and selling, transacting money, and then communicating about what you're transacting money and selling about until eBay figured out that wasn't a great idea. Spun off Skype, and I think Microsoft bought them. Uh, mm-hmm. PayPal was spun back out as an independent entity, and I believe they still are independent. Now they're gobbling up people. So um, things like Venmo is now owned by, by PayPal, and oh, PayPal, PayPal has, has gobbled up a few different uh, companies. I think they tried to acquire Plaid. I'm trying to, or maybe that was MasterCard. Uh, there, there's there's a lot of financial or fintech companies out there that uh, for PayPal or anybody really to gobble them up, it, it's it's a good uh, vertical integration or at the very least preventing their competition from getting a hold of it. Of course, but PayPal's- of course, most of us are disqualified from using PayPal because they're, they, uh, they cancel you. I mean, if they get any whiff that you're that you're not on board with the with the satanic hard left agenda, they'll cancel you. They also will just cancel you for any other reason as well. If you do a um, a Bing search on uh, PayPal froze my account and didn't without explanation or warning, you'll get mm-hmm. the phone book of people from. They could be the alphabet community. They could be traditional Catholics. They could be just plain old business people. PayPal has a real problem of of of. People don't trust them anymore. Yeah. Uh, the, the the provider I'm looking at using once I get my um, LLC stuff reorganized and, and um, ironed out, I'm, I'm going to probably be using uh, Stripe to be selling DVDs and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that that's another company. Yeah, they're ultra woke, but they're also not so stupid as to, to cut their nose off every chance they get just to stop from making money. Yeah. Well... <laughs> get woke go broke is a real thing some of them are i mean that that whole suicidal irrational suicidal mindset we see it we see it in business we see it in obviously the corona scam and people still lining up to get themselves injected with poison i mean there is there is a suicidal irrational component to all of this so What's what's what are some examples right now of companies that have just well, I'm not I have no love for any of the comic book anything, but apparently the entire comic book industry 
has just completely and totally destroyed itself and just keeps pridefully doubling down, tripling down, quadrupling down. You know, they, what's the, what's the comic book house that has Superman, for example? So you've got a, a multi-billion dollar property like Superman and these people are, um, you know, they, they go, they go woke. It be the, the content becomes intolerable. They lose, you know, 80%. I'm making these numbers up. They lose 80% of their audience and their revenue. And so then they decide that the next thing they need to do is make Superman gay or something like that. Just triple down on the whole thing until they burn it to the ground and there's nothing left. This is very typical of, ha ha ha, narcissists. Narcissists are notorious for self-sabotage. Like and, Bob Iger? Uh, elaborate. Bob Iger was the CEO of Disney. And oh, he, okay. he wanted to make a run at, at uh, the presidency. And part of his uh, plan, this is this is the way I've heard it explained, part of his plan to be, for being acceptant or accepting of, of the left and all the Wokies is he brought all kinds of them into Disney at... at um, at various levels and, and, and authorities. And ultimately it was those people who ended up setting the stage at, at groups like Lucasfilm for just destroying uh, yeah. the intellectual property that they paid multiple billions to get. Mm-hmm. And, and it, the whole, the whole point was Bob Iger was trying to put an installed base of, of leftist support and being able to point to, to his tenure at Disney as, as being left woke. And then he retired and, and it didn't, he didn't run for president or certainly didn't, didn't win obviously, but he left the mess behind where, where now the, well, in in the meantime, the, the CEO who took over, didn't realize what kind of a festering time bomb had been created. And, and now it gets to the point where, where people who were very hardcore star Wars fans like me are now at a point where I have complete apathy toward, toward yeah. what it, I mean, they, they had some new, new series that came out based on Obi-Wan Kenobi and I, I followed a little bit just the, the, the stuff on, on YouTube and, and, the, and, and the, the blogs about what the stories are about. And by the middle of the series, which was only eight episodes, I completely lost interest. Like, I don't really care what happens. This is this is just so stupid. It's it's not Star Wars anymore. It, it's exactly. woke wars. It, it, it's stupid. And until they fundamentally redo everything, which is never going to happen, I'm not going to watch it again. I'll I'll. I have more confidence that a third Top Gun will come out that'll be good as opposed to anything from from Lucasfilm. Oh yeah, that's a that's a complete write off. You know another example of this. Um it's kind of the same thing as happened to Star Trek. I I watched Star Trek as a kid all the way growing up and now there's one of them and I just looked up and watched a few clips of it on YouTube because there's like about 5 different Star Trek shows that are in production right now. It's like it's weird. There's there's a bunch of them, but there's one of them and it's called Star Trek Discovery. And so I just, you know, got on YouTube and and had heard that this was this was a train wreck. And so I got on and looked. Every single character on the show is a sex pervert. It's it's like part of the deal. Every single character on the show is a sex pervert. It's unbelievable. And it's all, it's all women. There, there's no men anywhere. And if they are, they are 
like flamboyantly openly gay weak um the the whole thing is women there's there was one scene in which oh no this was a different one here's another example on a different star trek show it's what's it called it's um it's the star trek that's it's new production it's when the within the last year and it's based upon um, Captain Christopher Pike, who was the captain of the Enterprise before, immediately before Captain Kirk. So it's supposed to be set in that time. And wait, which one had Stacey Abrams as a as a captain? I don't know. Uh, well, Discovery. That's the one with with the black the black woman who is supposed to be Spock's sister. I mean, how how does this even make any sense? It's just bizarre. Um, but there's a scene from the, that Star Trek with Captain Pike and it's a, it's a scene on the bridge and he has to ask permission of all of the women on the bridge to do anything. He's not giving orders. He's sitting in the captain's chair, but he's constantly having to ask the permission of all of the women who are around him, and it's almost 100% women, having to ask the permission of the women to do anything. It's just, you're sitting there watching this and just shaking your head in disbelief. The one with the Star Trek Discovery, don't watch that because, I'm guys, I'm not kidding you, every character is a sex pervert. They're either a homosexual sodomite transvestite there's one character who they're literally referring to as they them they've got the they them pronouns um there are there are transvestites there i mean it's the whole thing is just a it's unbelievable and it's unwatchable and yeah they're wondering why, why aren't we making a billion dollars off of this and yada 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 why aren't people watching this well, goodness, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Why don't we? Why don't we all want to want to tune in and watch a bunch of of ugly, revolting, sexually perverted lunatics um, attempting to attempting to to communicate science fiction? It's just, it's bizarre. But then that goes back to my theory that again, being converted about things. Really, is there anything good? The, the net of science fiction as a phenomenon in total, as a, as a phenomenon in total, what, is, it, is it really a net positive in our culture? I mean, you look at science fiction and it seems like if you, if you make a good column, bad column, that it's really heav heavily skewed to the bad column side. Um, well, really, the way to answer that question is to drop the science part of it and look at fiction and then say, what's the point of fiction? It's, it's ideally fictional um, literature or fictional storytelling is supposed to be a reflection on human nature itself. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times these were morality stories or in, in the case of the, the Greek tragedies or, or the uh, Shakespearean tragedies, it's what happens when you don't live up to the, to the moral ideals you're supposed to. Right. Contrast, and I mean, you could, you could do exactly the same thing in science fiction. You can have laser swords and transportation and, or, or teleportation and all the rest, but it, if you take that essential human struggle and human nature out of it now what are you left with and that's something that i thought was actually pretty interesting about i, I never i didn't watch all of star trek voyager i just saw 
bits and chunks of it toward the end, but I thought there were some interesting questions that could be raised about what is human nature, what is free will between the character who was used to be was human, then assimilated by the Borg, and then freed oh, from yeah. the Borg. Mm-hmm. And they had the the holographic computer doctor who thought he was or wanted to be human. It was like it was like the Pinocchio's. Um, it was like Geppetto, basically, but in in, in a Star Trek setting. Uh, there, there were some interesting questions of, of what does it mean to be human that were being grappled with there as opposed to what does it mean to have a gender? But I think the problem that I have, and it just becomes more and more and more um, stark when you look at science fiction, is that it's all militantly atheist, like ostentatiously, militantly proudly atheist everything is presented as humanity in the future being beyond the quote-unquote ridiculous belief in in god um and now these woke star trek properties one of the central themes is that whenever they're encountering um a a a, a, an allegedly primitive culture, one of the things, one of their missions is to disabuse these poor people of their belief, of their religious belief and their belief in God. And it's, you know, they, they view themselves as being these, these, in a sense, liberators from the shackles of, of religion. That, and must that's be a, a, that must be a new thing because I thought that was... I thought there was something along. I don't know if it's called Prime Directive or something else, where yes. you couldn't meddle with the the culture of of a. Yeah, but they always place. did. <laughs> That's the joke. Well, they, they tried. They tried to minimize it as much as possible. I think. Well, and even in the original series, you know, there, with Captain Kirk and Mister Spock, the one in the nineteen sixties, Roddenberry was himself a militant atheist, and there are multiple episodes of the original series in which the entire plot of the thing revolves around liberating a primitive planet from its religious belief and it's and that carried that carried through the next generation um it carried through on to deep space nine with the bajoran culture was very religious and it was always you know confronting them and trying to show them that your religion is just based upon these aliens who live in this wormhole they aren't gods they're just aliens who you know live live in the wormhole and they it's not it's not supernatural they're completely natural to the point where they end up getting into a big war with them you know um but it's just an overarching theme so and it seems to me that science fiction is is especially set up for the ability to be on at the point of the spear of all of this disgusting social justice warrior stuff. Um, And you can see that right now in these Star Trek properties, which don't, for heaven's sake, I hope no one is spending money on any of this stuff. All I've seen of any of it is are little, you know, like two minute clips that they put on, they put on YouTube, but it's enough to see the fact that I mean, the one that was just really striking to me was the discovery and the fact that every character on the show is a sex pervert of one stripe or another. And, oh, aren't we, aren't we enlightened? Isn't this wonderful? And no, it's, it's a dystopian hellscape. Okay. I, I wasn't expecting a long, a long rant about, about Star Trek. I always just thought it was you at the United Nations in space, honestly. I think it's more insidious than that, especially well, now, now. It's getting worse and worse and worse. Yeah, and as you mentioned, and I've never really thought about science fiction as being inherently 
um, atheist, but now that I think about it, I can't think of a single science no. fiction story set where, where there was any significant, what obviously none of them revolving around the, the true faith. But even, of course, even the, giving, our Lord does not exist. But even the acknowledgement of the existence of God, uh, can you th- can you think of one? Is there one? I'm trying to think of the in in the extended um, Star Trek or Star Wars um, novels and, and all all the books. I can't think of anything other than certain cultures have have religious beliefs, and of course, permeating the whole darn thing is this this idea of the Force, which is sort of an animistic thing. I'm not entirely sure what that is. But even that, the the force is the midichlorians, right? There's a natural uh, a natural explanation was was trotted right out with you know episode one. Uh, yes and no. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, that was that was the the worst line of dialogue Lucas ever wrote. What's that? Oh, talking about midichlorians. What was the line? Oh, talking saying that the midichlorians were the the, the source of the force or something like that. There there's. Yes and no. It was a lot more no than yes. No, I think the worst line of dialogue that Lucas ever wrote was the sandpaper lines. <laughs> there's there's I sand. Hate sand. What <laughs> I hate sand. <laughs> okay, I got to write down that time. <laughs> I hate sand. <laughs> Hey, you know what? We, even though we haven't uh, recorded for almost exactly two months, we are exactly on stride. We have not hit point one of my outline yet. <laughs> well, <laughs> we're, we're back in the saddle, my friend. It's just like old times. <laughs> Speaking of no God in science fiction, um, how does well get to, to um, the first point of the bullet point here? We, we, we delayed it long enough. It's uh, round thirty-three of the kayfabe down at Mar-a-Lago or Mara Marayano. Do we really do we really care about this? Well, I it's fake, and I hope I hope everyone realizes that. Um, it's as with all of it. I mean, there's all kinds of theories floating around. Is that you know Trump has you know orchestrated this, and it's all he's got documents revealing RussiaGate and everything, and I just. Guys, you still, still haven't come to the realization that it's all fake, that it's all theater, that it's all distraction. Um, you know, somebody, somebody dropped me a line, give me a call when Trump um, publicly begs the world's forgiveness for the death injections. But because as far as I know, he's he's still pushing that and he's still bragging about Operation Warp Speed and all. Oh of yeah, that. that was his greatest achievement. It's his greatest achievement. Someone someone send me a line when he makes a public mea culpa for that. Oh, on his um, recent tour where he was um, the Arnie so great tour going around. It was basically it was campaign speeches, and he was bragging about uh, warp speed and and the the vaccines. He got booed and loudly booed, and he, I think he was actually shocked that. The people who came out to see him booed him. Why? Why? I mean, how detached from reality would he have to be to be shocked by that? I mean, it's. Remember, folks, if there's any new listeners, um, I started writing about kayfabe in the context of Trump in, you know, the summer, early fall of 2016. 
unbeknownst to me, I'm talking about, okay, let me define very briefly what kayfabe is, because it's not a terribly well-known term. Kayfabe is the word that was invented by the professional wrestling community to describe the, the fact that professional wrestling is fake and that they're all friends with each other personally, behind the scenes, off camera, but then when they go out to perform in front of the camera, you know, um, Hulk Hogan is the mortal enemy of Randy Macho Man Savage, or whatever it is. But of course, it's fake, it's theater, so behind the scenes, they're all friends with each other. The name that they came up with and used amongst themselves for that phenomenon is kayfabe, K-A-Y-F-A-B-E. So I start writing about kayfabe with regards to Donald Trump in 2016, and I start posting on this, and not long after, I get an email from someone saying, Anne, you do realize that just not too terribly long ago, Donald Trump was one of the major characters in WWE professional wrestling. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's I knew a, he's he a had, Hall of Famer. He's, 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 in the w, of, yeah. he's in the WWE Hall of Fame. I knew he had The Apprentice. I knew that he had that fake reality game show, TV show, The Apprentice. I knew that. I had no idea that he had anything to do with professional wrestling. And there, people are sending me these clips of Donald Trump, like, in the ring, body slamming Vince McMahon and, and I mean, like, engaging in actual professional wrestling choreography. I had no idea. I had absolutely no idea. And then what I what I was tying it all in with, like, for example, posting the picture of um, the fact that Hillary and Chelsea Clinton sat in the place of honor at Trump's putative wedding to Melania Naus, um, in the place of honor where Trump's deceased parents would have been seating, would have been seated. Hillary and Chelsea Clinton sat in the front row in front of Trump's own children at his wedding to Melania. And there's pictures of, of, of um, the Clintons at the reception. Bill Clinton didn't attend the wedding, but he attended the reception. And there's very famous pictures of them all standing there together, having their picture taken. And Bill was and, definitely at the bachelor party on Epstein Island. Yeah, uh, indeed, indeed. And so, you know, you're looking at this and you're really, and you know, Trump's saying lock her up and I'm running against Hillary, this, that, and the other. And it's, it's professional wrestling. It's kayfabe. They're all laughing and they're friends and they're buddies behind the scenes. So you've got all this stuff going on with Epstein and Russiagate and all of this on and on and on. This is all theater designed to keep you all, the masses, distracted from what they're doing. Meanwhile, you know, um, Switzerland has a nine sigma year over year reduction in live births. Taiwan has a 26 sigma year-over-year -year reduction in live births, due, of course, to the death injections. Um, the world is being sterilized to death. The, the human population is being culled, and it's happening with a rapidity that is unprecedented and never seen ever in human history. You're just coming off of two years of most of the planet being under house arrest, and the show goes on, the kayfabe goes on, as long as the the professional wrestling circuit with its headquarters in Washington, D.C., as long as it keeps putting out content, 
to keep people amused and entertained, presumably, it, things just keep on rolling. And so, Quick, you know, oh, that's, go ahead. go ahead, go ahead. What What is sigma in that context? Uh, standard deviations. Um, so if you're looking at a nine sigma event, you're looking at an event whose probability is in the ninth standard deviation on a normal distribution bell curve. And so anything outside of one normal distribution is considered significant? Very, yes. And so when you're, you're into the ninth standard deviation, um, I think that what I read was that a ninth standard deviation event would be something that would have the random frequency of, and forgive this analogy, but um, the, the putative asteroid that hit the Earth and killed all the dinosaurs, compartmentalizing for a moment whether or not that even happened. But you understand what I'm saying. We're making the point about the probability of something happening randomly. So having like the Swiss uh, reduction in births, in live births year over year. Um, for, for what has happened in Switzerland over the last year to happen randomly would have the same probability of happening as a massive, massive asteroid um, hitting the Earth and causing an extinction level event. Um, what's happened in Taiwan is in the 26th standard deviation, which means completely, totally impossible to, have to happen randomly. Well, China doesn't have to in invade them. They just have to wait till the yep. the demographic collapse and go in and replace them themselves. Yep, exactly. And do we not think that that probably hasn't been the plan for decades all along? I at, don't at some know. point, North America is going to have to be repopulated. At some point, there's not going to be anybody to do any work. Well, we just keep we just keep the the floodgates coming in from the south. Yeah, but at some point you're going to need people who are competent to work, and that's and to me when I think of that, that means Chinese. That means Chinese labor, skilled labor, because we can get, like I said, we can get a lot of labor from the south, and of course we have them all working for Indian engineers. Yeah, why do we need the Chinese again? Well, we'll see how it plays out. I think the other thing to remember about China is that the landmass is largely awful. <laughs> I think I think the Chinese look at the North American landmass and just are drooling all over themselves, and rightfully so. The North American landmass is just amazing in in the pos in the positive sense. Um well so is Siberia compared to China. Why don't they just go north? Is it though? Is it really? It's actually quite rich in resources. Hmm. Well don't give them any ideas. <laughs> we'll see a year from today. We'll see what's going on, what the Sino-Russian dynamic is a year from today. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. And if they publicly claim that they got that idea from Super Nerd, I'll give you a nickel. But I think they already know it. All right. Shake on it. Deal. <laughs> Actually, I think they're they're trying to plunder everything from Africa, too. If, if you meet somebody... Yep. If you meet somebody from Africa, whether they're driving a cab or an Uber or something, and ask them about the Chinese in their home country, you'll see them light up and say, oh, you know, and start talking to you. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of colonialization going on right now from China. So, And apparently it's happening in the U.S. too. They bought up, I think Bill Gates, the the amount of, of farm ground that he's bought up, really, it's it's... It's not that much. I think the much, much greater concern is how much has been bought by the Chinese and continues to be bought by the Chinese. 
and they, I forget the name of the ranch, but apparently there's some big ranch that's like 2,000 square miles in, in Texas, which is, is an average size ranch, I think, there. Mm-hmm. But it's got a, a 10 or 15,000 foot uh, reinforced runway, and it was purchased by somebody who's uh, one of the commanding generals in the Chinese logistics uh, wing of the army. And wow. apparently they're bringing in um, their version of the C-17s. They're flying these in and out constantly. If you're from Texas and you know more about that, um, drop a line to the podcast. Um, I, I've heard rumors and, and bits about it. I wouldn't be surprised, but at the same time, I don't really know much about it. Yeah, I'd like to hear about that too. What would they, what would they be flying in? What would be on those planes? People, supplies, People? logistics, um, kimchi. I don't, I don't know. Whatever <laughs> they want. <laughs> That's Korean. <laughs> you're so bad. <laughs> Yeah. Speaking speaking yeah. of the outline, I actually had a whole bunch of bullet points here for um, for questions for Anne, and uh, there there was actually a, a, a I was tongue in cheek saying this was the the Korean versus um, Chinese food question, but it was Anne. Are you more of a cat or a dog person? Uh, probably cat. Cat, I think. Although I don't have any, and I don't want I don't want either one. I don't want um, I don't want to be tethered down to an animal like that if i need to get up and go i need to be able to get up and go and i say i've seen too many people who use um, pets as like a codependent and an excuse not to an excuse not to do things not to leave the house well i can't do this i can't do that i can't go there um because you know the animal will be psychologically damaged if i do that or just the logistics of if you have a dog you have to kennel it if you're going to be gone or impose upon someone to take care of the dog, or the same with a cat. If you have a cat, then you have to impose upon someone to take care of it when you're gone. And I'm I'm completely, totally unwilling to have anything to do with that. Um, I think pets are fine for families as long as you keep them clean, and especially cats. Cats stink can stink up a house in a way that dogs, yeah, well, dogs can stink a house up too. But cats have that special special horrific odor that if you're if they're not kept clean then no if they're if they're inside if they're doing their business inside so okay so back to chinese and and southern labor and and the future of the united states oh you meant dietarily am i more of a cat or a dog well that person? was the that um, was the that was the joke I have, I suspect that when I first moved to Denver, there was a dollar scoop Chinese place at I-25 and Arapahoe Road. And um, the office would go over there and get um, beef lo mein for lunch, like a big, big back, bring back those big styrofoam containers of beef lo mein. And people would just go in there and kind of have a, have that for lunch. And was watching the news one night, was watching the 10 o'clock news one night, and sure enough, um, police raided Dollar Scoop at I-25 in Arapahoe, and the freezer was full of cats. So I suspect that it is it is possible, if not probable, that I have, in fact, eaten cat. True story. But it's It's my understanding from uh, Chinese colleagues that I've worked with that it's extraordinarily hard in the United States, even for Chinese who are who are speaking the language and making the request and all the code words, like apparently in, in Vietnam, you don't ask for dog, you ask for trotting horse or something like that. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. They, there are certain code words, but you have to say it in Mandarin correctly. And even then, 
they suspect you of being a spy trying to report them. It's, it's apparently very hard to, to get the off menu stuff like that. But I thought they were doing it. They were just, you know, getting stray cats and putting it in the food because it was a free protein source and to kind of stick it to us. I mean, it, I, I didn't think that they were eating it because they, they wanted to eat it themselves. Why would you? Why would you want to eat a cat? I have no idea. There's not a lot of meat on those. I don't, I don't get I it. Agreed. Agreed. I thought the main, the main benefit of a cat was it got rid of vermin. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't understand it. I, I always thought that they were doing it to stick it to us and because it was, if you could, if you could trap, you know, neighborhood cats or something that they were considering it free, free protein input. I don't, I don't know, but. Now dogs actually make sense. In fact, on the Lewis and Clark expedition, they brought, I forget how many dogs, six or 12 dogs, but part of the plan was, and the selection of the breeds is it, once they got far enough upstream, if they hit a point where there was no uh, forageable material, the dogs were the forageable material, and, and the, the caloric density of dog meat is apparently up there with bison, but it's fattier. And really? Apparently ten, yeah, and, and they, they did actually end up eating a couple of the dogs mm-hmm. uh, until they got over the, the Continental Divide and found out, hey, there's fish and some other stuff over here. Mm-hmm. But no, that, that was a, a very um, deliberate choice of not only to bring dogs for the general you know protection and hunting aspect but also hey if we if we get uh, get hard enough um, you know we, we, we run out of our, our options for foraging mm-hmm. yeah these these dogs are going to serve us in, in, in another way so that that makes sense I mean they're bigger animals there's more meat to them you could actually um, yeah. feed a, a, a foraging party for or, or a, an exploration party for a day or two with it yeah cats nah no I don't know there's nothing there <laughs> but Let's see, is, if they're in a starvation situation, is there anything that I would not eat in a starvation situation? Hmm. I mean, other than, hu- I mean, you would you would die rather than eat human, obviously. Um, I guess call back when you're in a starvation situation and find out what, what um, what's acceptable. Like, ra- I'm, but you know, there are, there are survival videos on YouTube. Um, the guy who does the mouse traps, he used to have survival videos about how to dress and, and, um, cook rat over an open fire. What else is he? He's cooked, um, oh, Nutria. He cooks Nutria, which I've never seen, to my knowledge, I've never seen a Nutria, but apparently they're quite widespread in North America. Um, what? Nutria, N-U-T-R-I-A. They're kind of like big swamp rats. A rodent of unusual size. <laughs> yes. <laughs> R-O-U-S's. Huh. Capybara is a rodent. Um, I, could, I, I would have no problem eating capybara if I had to. Those seem, I mean, you, they kind of look like food. They look like halfway between a, a pig and a rat. Um, I suppose clean it and cook it correctly is the, the biggest thing, which gets into another one of the topics that uh, actually was another question. Uh, somebody said, Dear Ann, if, if one is interested in these slaughter jobs, where do you find more information? My husband is interested. And in terms of if we get to a situation like that, I don't care what is going around that looks edible. And if you don't know how to clean it and cook it, um, you're probably going to starve. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, you would... I guess the two the two things that come to mind is that you would reach out to your county extension agent 
Um, because I, I mean, it is taught. There's a, there's an entire track in the animal science department of it's in the meat science department and guys would go in there and there's a slaughter facility inside the animal science department at K-State and they kill cattle, hogs and, and sheep in, inside the building. Um, and there are guys that come out with bachelor's degrees who have had a, who've focused on that, who have focused on meat science and focused on, you know, the abattoir aspect of it and come out and know how to slaughter. Um, so, I guess you would reach out to your county extension agent and then they could put you in contact with whatever's going on at the land grant university. Um, but at this point I'd stay away from land grant universities, including K state, because I've, I've, I've been told by so many people now that K state is completely woke and it's worse than KU. It's worse than KU ever was in terms of its wokeness and people are just revolted and just want nothing more to do with it. Um, so then what you would do, obviously, is you would go, you would find a locker plant and you would go in and you would ask to talk to the owner and say, look, I'm interested in learning how to do this. What can you recommend? Would you consider apprenticing somebody, you know, and just, you know, just start talking to people, just make connections. And you know what, nine times out of 10, if you'll just, you know, reach out to somebody, ask the question, as our Lord said, knock and the door will be opened. Um, you're going to get, if not a direct solution, you're going to get a referral to someone who's going to be able to give you the direct solution. So at this point, I would say contact a, um, a, a locker plant and ask them. So to be a butcher, ask a butcher? Yes. To paraphrase a, a but remember, quote. butcher is a little bit different. Um, I think you can be a butcher, but not know how to slaughter if you understand the difference. So, like, for example, there's a butcher shop not far from where I live, and I go there a lot. And what those guys get in, and sometimes you'll see the truck drive by and arrive, is that they're receiving half and quarter carcasses, and then they're they're carving the meat and they're doing and grinding and doing whatever off of the carcass, but they're not killing the animal. The killing of the animal and all of that, we've talked about that before, the bunging, which, you know, I think a lot of people think that the word bunghole is a, um, is a, is a vulgarism, is a, is bad language or whatever. It's not, it's a, it's a literal term. The bung, bunging and the bunghole is, is that process of cutting out and tying off and sealing the, um, the, end, the terminus of the digestive tract so that when you, are, when you are processing an animal, especially an animal that you have just slaughtered within a matter of minutes, you need to get all of that sealed off so that there isn't manure spraying all over the carcass get learning that skill being able to do that i mean the first thing is obviously getting getting the animal um brain dead throat cut bled and then the next item on the list is getting it bunged and getting that getting that digestive tract contained and getting that viscera and all of that feces and and gut content and all of that out and away from the carcass um, and that's that's a completely different thing than than the guy who's got a butcher shop, who's you know, 
grinding, <laughs> grinding hamburger meat for the likes of me, you know, or cutting off, you know, I, I need two ribeye steaks or something like that. That's a completely different can of worms. So there's processing and then there's retailing. Um, you definitely need to learn about the processing. That's what we're going for. And then obviously, once you learn the processing, um, learning how to break a carcass down. Now that's what a butcher does, breaking it down into whatever cuts it is that you want. That's another question, but that's kind of the easy part. The hard part is getting the animal dead and cleanly, cleanly dressed, as they say. Okay, that that makes a lot of sense, and you're right. I used the wrong term, and yeah, that the, the precision matters there. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure you would not want to butcher doing the the slaughtering and cleaning, unless they already had training in it. But I'll, I'll, oh well, unless he knew how to do it. But yeah. I I think most of them probably don't. Uh, one of the questions I want to make sure I, I got to. Um, I've got a bunch of them here anyway, but one that that uh, came in via Twitter is like, oh, I don't know if, if we ever followed up on this. They, the question was, did we ever get the Solemn High Mass, Solemn High Requiem Mass for Kobe Bryant? No. I, I heard that, some, that one of the parishes in, in Los Angeles did one. Um, but I don't think I ever saw a confirmation of that. There was just a rumor. There was just a rumor. Was that a project never, that was that a project that you said you wanted to see if you could get it done, or was that? Yeah, something? we were we were talking about it. Um, I remember because that was January twenty sixth, twenty twenty, and I'll always remember the death of Kobe Bryant because I had just come home from somewhere and I had been around a bunch of people. In fact, there were a bunch of Chinese people um, on the public transport that I was on, and I got sick. And I strongly suspect that I had the coof. And that was January 26, 2020. So, and then, so we were talking about that right away in the aftermath of Kobe Bryant's death. And that's, that's literally just days before, before the Corona scam started in earnest for all of us. So, um, and we were talking about that. And then I think one of the things that happened is that the, the lockdowns were happening, you know, or that all started getting phased in. So even if you wanted to try to organize something like that, you know, if you didn't get that done within a couple, three weeks of, of his death, then it wasn't going to happen. So the only thing I heard was a rumor that there, that there was a, a requiem mass said for him at, um, at the, at the, I think it's the FSSP parish in Los Angeles. If anybody, if anybody's listening and is in the FSSP parish in Los Angeles, and you know one way or the other whether or not anyone said a requiem for him, let us know. And if it was a solemn high requiem or not, and is that something you can even request as, as a mass stipend to have a solemn high requiem said for somebody who had passed away? Yeah, I think you could. I think you could. Okay, I think the person was asking whether or not uh, you had arranged for that. Uh, I don't remember if you specifically said you wanted to arrange that or it would be neat if somebody did it. It would be neat if somebody did. And wouldn't it be nice if it were, you know, professionally recorded, streamed. So it would because what we the thought process was is that it would be a wonderful way for people to see because of how how big a name he was. And then the fact that it was him and his daughter that lots and lots of people would at least say, yeah, I want to take a look at that. I want to see what, what that looks like. 
and it would bring it would bring a lot of eyes and people would realize what uh, what a funeral actually should be it shouldn't be you know a canonization ceremony as almost all Nova Sordo funerals are um, and I, I don't even at this point I don't even remember I think they had a Nova Sordo funeral but I think the main thing that happened was there was you know the "Quote unquote memorial service celebration of life at the at the basketball arena, and various people stood up and talk. And his widow, I, th I believe his widow spoke, and things like that. But that wasn't a funeral; it was a memorial service. Um, but I'm I'm sure I'm sure they had a Novus Ordo funeral. But again, almost all Novus Ordo funerals are um, what do they call it? It's the Mass of the Resurrection." Is what the is what the proper of the mass is called, and it's. I mean, don't they the usually call it a celebration? Don't they usually or, call it a celebration of life? Yeah, but I think the mass itself. You say, well, well, what mass is said? Well, it's the mass of the resurrection, and so that's what the readings and the propers are. But in almost every one of these, the deceased is declared to be in the beatific vision, and it doesn't even occur to anybody. In fact, it's considered insulting and offensive to even imply that maybe the person is in purgatory. I mean, it's considered an insulting and offensive to imply that a person might be in purgatory. And, and thus, nobody is praying for the dead at all, including their families in the moment, you know, in the time of their death, when they're having their own funeral not even their families are praying for the repose of their soul because they're the novus ordo priest is declaring the deceased already be in the beatific vision it's uh it's extraordinarily unhealthy and i don't know it's um it's just a symptom of of where we are where we are in the infiltration and well, it'll all be fixed after the triumph of the immaculate heart and i just hope i live to see it there's going to be a lot to suffer between now and then, and also a lot of where we're, we're evil abounds, grace abounds as well, because we always yep. have the we always have the ability, no matter uh, what the circumstance, what the temptation, we always have the ability to overcome it. There's there's always the grace issued as well. So in a time of great evil, there is also the you know great opportunity for grace as well. So exactly. We're gonna we're gonna see some tremendous saints uh, come about here before long because. It, that's the way things are, are tending. It, it, the more evil you get, the more opportunity for heroic science. And that's why we say over and over and over, what a time to be alive. And we're not being facetious. We're not kidding. This is an amazing, amazing time to be alive. And we should all be grateful that we're alive in this, even though it's, yes, it's oppressive to see all the sex perverts and the child sacrifice and the the uh, corona genocide project and all of that yes these things are horrible but precisely because of what super nerd just said it's still you wake up every morning and thank thank you jesus for putting me here now thank you thank you thank you oh and also the anti-papacy thank you thank you thank you jesus for putting me here now because if 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 speaking for myself speaking solely for ann barnhart now if i had been born in some you know the peaceful times of if i had been born like a peasant girl in the 13th century and you know had a perfectly set little place in the world and and, and everything was peaceful and tranquil and the world really didn't change and you know the church is in full flower and i'm living in a village and in, in 
France or Germany or Switzerland or something like that. And, and, and I have that peaceful, tranquil life. Well, would I have made it because it was, everything was so peaceful and, and tranquil, you know, um, maybe, you know, God knew that my, my soul and my constitution and how I am required that I be born in a time when all of these where there's just this super abundancy of grace precisely because of how messed up the world is as we are sprinting towards what appears to be the big show um so yes thank thank you god for putting me here now because maybe i wouldn't have make it made it if i had lived in in peaceful times so to speak was it um peaceful times make for soft people and and the the, the more turbulent times make for harder people. It's, it, I guess it depends there's on whether the, there's or not you an can enti- It's like it. a four stage progression. It's like a four stage four stage progression, and the, and humanity or cultures kind of cycle through it. You know, hard hard men win wars, and then and then there is peace. But then the peace makes people soft, and it just kind of keeps going around and around. But I think I think we all agree that this iteration is. Um, uh, it it looks to be terminal. This iteration looks to be terminal. I keep thinking back upon Father Ripperger's um, spirits of uh, generational spirits of oppression, and you know, there's the spirit of oppression of the World War II generation, then the World War or World War One, then World War Two, then the baby boomers, then Generation X, then um, what? Millennials. millennials after that and then the next one is generation z and the um the spirit of demonic oppression that overhangs generation z is um the occult and the worship of satan and the question is well what's after generation z and the answer is there is nothing after that that's the end yeah, when like, you get to it go ahead i was gonna say like you mentioned earlier the births are falling off a off a cliff yep. and the the ones yeah it could be that nobody's actually doing what's necessary to have children and because they're all perverts in, in other weird directions yep. or maybe they're all sterilized because and they, sterilized, they accepted yep. the jab into their life and now they have the consequences of it exactly so you say how could that possibly happen how could it be that generation z is the last generation in the post-christian west uh dude we're we're living it right now nine sigma year over year reduction in live births in switzerland and 26 sigma reductions in taiwan not that taiwan is the post-christian west but um the genocide is real and it's happening and people seem to be somewhat still largely enthusiastic about it so yeah we'll see how enthusiastic they are when everything hits the fan here shortly yep well on that happy note (laughs) <laughs> I think it's time to wrap up the podcast. All right. The email address for the podcast where you can send feedback, comments, suggestions, actual good news items for ending the podcast or ideas for trades. Podcast at the email address is podcast at barnhart.biz. Anne expresses her profound gratitude to all of her benefactors. There was at least one mass. There is at least one mass set every single day for all the benefactors, plus one traditional Catholic requiem mass for everybody who died the previous week whether it's Anne Hesh or anybody else, uh, that that Requiem Mass was said for everybody who died in the previous week. Please pray for the priests. Uh, as, as much as anybody else is being targeted and deplatformed, the priests are, are every bit, um, actually the way more in the crosshairs, and they're not just from the Wokies here on, on, on this planet, but also from all the demonic forces that 
are all around us all the time, whether we see them or not. Sometimes we can sense the the influence, but uh, the priests definitely get it uh, a lot worse than we can imagine. So please pray for the priests. Pray that. But they you know what we just said applies to them though. And fathers, any priests out there that are listening, remember what we just said about you know the the super abundance of avail- of available grace right now. Even though what you're going through is terrifying, thinking that you could potentially have um, have your 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 vocation pulled out from under you as people are being tricked and deceived into thinking that you know that the quote unquote pope is going to suppress the mass or or you know quash this community do this or that it's all deception but the point is is that there is just just as much for you and probably more so there's this super abundance of available grace such that your priesthood could be just absolutely amazing and you could be one of these priest saints who ends up being raised to the altar someday as long as you don't fall for the lies and the deceptions of the devil and the world and you know keep your head on straight and realize that this this is the time to be alive you know you're you're not living in the days of tranquility where your priesthood could just be you know a, a very sideways mediocre affair um you have the potential to have an absolutely amazing and saint-making priesthood so don't despair wake up every morning and 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 don't fear don't fear there will always be a path forward for you somehow some way and and telling the truth at a time like this is going to be set you apart so obviously from from everybody else whether whether you're talking about people in roman collars or not when when there's so much mendacity going around simply telling the obvious truth souls are going to react to that Mm-hmm. So don't don't lose heart there, and don't don't forget that we're all praying for you. And yes, for the for everyone else, pray for the priest, darn it, <laughs> so yes. so that we can we can make that real. Uh, and for everybody in the the Barnhart Podcast family, whether you're a priest or not, don't forget that we have a patron, uh, Saint Tiny Princess. Uh, she she's hard at work. We get the emails from time to time of of um, people saying I, I prayed for her intercession, and hey, th- this thing worked out. So don't don't forget that that uh, we have a patron and. and put her to work that's what that's that's, right that's what her her mission is now the barnhart podcast is a value for value podcast if you got some value out of this whether it's entertainment education reassurance whatever it is um if you got some value from this i humbly uh, ask that you return some value and you can learn more about how to do that at supernerdmedia.com i need to update my my copy there because i tripped all over it um because there was something else written that I that I realized nope that's not that's not actually for for this podcast so I had to adjust on the fly. Anyway, it's been two months since we had uh, one, it's been one of two these months, segments, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, I want to thank a few donors, uh, Pamela who says thank you Ann and Super Nerd Rick who says thanks for the hot cow update one less thing to worry about. Uh, Pamela again, um, and I want to say thank you this time to Pamela instead of the other way around because uh, she uh, sent in sent in support uh, even though we weren't podcasting or i wasn't podcasting in the last two months so thank you very much for that and also uh, via amazon craig sent in uh, a donation and a note saying thank you for all the work you do please enjoy a dinner with your wife god bless you yay Uh, i already took care of that (laughs) (laughs) that part's done um via bitcoin nobody and actually i took that off the the um the Barnhart podcast, or not the Barnhart, the uh, Super Nerd donation page. Uh, Bitcoin not only is is just wildly 
uh, erratic and and, and it's yeah. fluctuating and its, its valuations right now. Uh, the experimentation that I was doing with Bitcoin is I'm, I'm done with it for the time being. I have, I have no interest or use for it. So. Yeah. Um, if you really, really want to donate Bitcoin, I guess email me, but I'm, I'm not soliciting it at this point in time. Yeah. Um, and if you are a podcast 2.0, um, adept person and you're sending boostergrams, please email me and let me know what you're sending. Cause I, I'm actually not set up to read those. Um, I, I did check the note. I'm not seeing any, any, um, boosts or streaming sats coming in. So, um, if you're sending that, please let me know because I, I don't I don't have that node set up for uh, harvesting boostergrams. And if you have no idea what I just said, then just don't worry about it. Don't um, worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. DVDs. I've got lots of copies of the Diabolical Narcissism DVD available. Um, I haven't mentioned this, uh, but I have the ability to obviously I've got them on hand. I've got the ability to ship them out when I get the LLC stuff uh, resorted and organized. Uh, I'll put the link up for being able to buy them online. But if you are interested in getting copies of those, please email uh, email, email me at supernerdmedia.com and we'll go from there for getting the logistics set up. And Anne Greenland, you want to put up you, you want to put up a bat signal for the um, Islamic sexuality one too, right? Um, what a bat signal? Um, for people people are asking for my Islam Islamic sexuality a survey of evil video presentation, and it's been. It's hard. It's not on YouTube or they've like taken YouTube has edited out one of the sections. I think they had they um, blocked the section on female genital mutilation or something like that. I don't know. But um, your idea was that you wanted to find somebody who had one of the DVDs from way back, like 10 years ago. The the lady who recorded it, who sadly died in 2015, um, I think that she sold some copies of that on DVD and you want, you're interested in getting your hands on one of those to have as a high quality source. Is that not correct? I wasn't thinking of that, that particular one. I was thinking of the Von Day one, but oh, it, the Von but Day either one, either yeah. one, if the, if the Islamic and it's, one but was it's the same lady who did it. Yeah. Okay. Well, if she put that on DVD and, and you have copies of it, yeah, the idea was to have, um, um, a, a, a disc master that I could use for creating duplicates. Yeah. And so, yeah, if you've got, if you've got Anne's presentations on DVD, whether it's the Von Day presentation or the, what was the title? Islamic what? Islamic sexuality, a survey of evil. Yeah. That if you have either of those on DVD and you're willing to, uh, send a copy to me so I can, I can, uh, duplicate it. Um, yeah, by all means, please email me at supernerdmedia.com and we'll move forward on that. I mean, we have that they exist and it exists on the internet on other platforms other than YouTube, but it's really low quality. You want, you would like to have a DVD so that you could potentially make more DVDs from that. And you, you have to have a quality base to do that. Right. So, the The problem, yeah. the problem with, and this is the question you, you had asked me is why not just download it from YouTube and make the, the videos that way. The, the compressed version of the video that gets put up on YouTube uh, not only is it less than ideal, but for if it's if it wasn't uh, edited properly, uh, you, what what ends up happening is after sometimes as fast as ten minutes, but over over time, what happens is your audio and video starts to decouple. So yeah. your, your lips are moving, but then the audio comes five seconds later. 
and that is so annoying when that happens. Yeah. It's it makes it almost unwatchable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's why if if the DVD copies exist already, then it should have been edited correctly at that point from the high quality original video, mm-hmm. and and that would have that would have been uh, taken care of so you didn't get the audio video mismatch. Yep. Yep. So the bat signal is sent. Yes. Yes. And that's all I've got to say about any of this. And it's up to you now for Matthew 1720. Keep praying, guys. Keep praying. Like I said, the front page magazine, um, front page coming out with their editorial position that Bergoglio's an anti-pope. That's pretty huge. It's just getting more and more mainstream and people are waking up and are not afraid to say the truth. So we keep praying every day, fast twice a week if you can, fourfold intention that Bergoglio be publicly recognized and removed as anti-Pope and the whole thing be nullified, that Pope Benedict Ratzinger be publicly recognized as having been the one and only living Pope since April of 2005, that Bergoglio repent, revert to Catholicism, die in a state of grace in the fullness of time, and someday achieve the beatific vision, and that Pope Benedict Ratzinger likewise repent of whatever he needs to repent of, that he dies in the state of grace in the fullness of time, and someday achieves the beatific vision, nothing less will do. Go big or go home. We're all in on this, including getting Bergoglio to heaven. <laughs> and he could he could potentially go down in history as being an anti-Judas Iscariot, be or the anti-Judas Iscariot. He could he could be the inverse of that. Um, he as he's living right now, he's the anti-John the Baptist. He but he could ultimately end up being the anti-Judas Iscariot. So we pray for that. Um, Our Lady of Copacabana, Slayer of the Pachamama Demon, pray for us. Amen. And until next time, I am Super Nerd, and I'm Anne. Thanks, guys. God bless. True story.